So today on Melee, the evictions are being stopped again. The grand jury will convene next week. Working out how to work out. My name is Jeff Collins. I'm Leslie Swenson. And I'm Joshua LeBure. And this is Melee After Dark. No, this is actually just regular Melee, but it just happened to get dark on us. Yeah, we, we decided to sit around and talk a lot between the three of us before we started recording and it got late. Mm-hmm. And, but it's important to find your friend group and air your stuff out. Don't let it sit on your heart because this is these are very rough times we're in. Yeah, these are mm-hmm. the, the sort of like really lovely little silver linings mm-hmm. of having a little tribe. It's been great. We were outside. Like There's a breeze. There gorgeous was, out. It feels really nice it's outside. Very, very nice out tonight. Like the crickets are chirping. The yeah. bugs are not actually bothering you. You might be able to hear them right now, maybe, but I'm going to keep it in because it's great. I'm surprised we can't hear the cicadas. They've been like they've been screaming. I do not understand really how cicadas work. Do they come every seven years or like every year? I feel like I always hear cicadas. They're every year, but I think that there are like larger ones. There are different ones. Like there's like oh. a like a, a a hybrid situation oh. every seven years. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know that, that are louder. Okay. Yep. Because I always hear about like seven year cicadas. I'm like, why hear cicada every year? Yeah. So is it are they just different generations? Different of format. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. We will not. We were not going to get into cicadas on this episode. We always learn something new here on Melee, don't we? <laughs> so, we do. with that, let's get into the news. The CDC issues a temporary halt on evictions to stop further spread of COVID nineteen. The Trump administration is enacting a nationwide temporary ban on evictions through the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The ban will last through December and applies to Americans that are struggling to pay their rent due to job loss during the pandemic, earn less than $99,000 a year, and don't have any other housing options. As reported by NPR, one estimate from the National Low Income Housing Coalition says that 30 to 40 million people in 17 million households were at risk of losing their home by the end of the year if something like this wasn't done. The goal of the ban is to stop further spread of COVID-19 as overcrowded living facilities or homeless shelters would increase the risk of infection. While the order will save lives, it has also been met with criticism and doesn't come with any financial backing. No federal aid has been set aside for rental assistance, and this means putting the very people the ban is trying to help in a dangerous position when back rent will be due in January. In turn, landlords and property owners who rely on their tenants to pay bills have voiced their concerns as well. Legally, some are questioning whether the CDC has the power to make this move in the first place. If the decision holds in court, this could have long-reaching implications for further federal orders made during the pandemic, such as impetus for a nationwide mask mandate under potential Biden administration. If the ban gets striked down, then it could further prevent any administration from making broad decisions to curb the spread of the virus. I just want to say on the last one, it's just wild that (laughs) there's still any debate at all that there's like a reason to not help renters we're right not now. helping yeah yeah that's it's, it's how, it's how the biggest. are we even remotely doing this and not having any funding like it doesn't seem, not. it doesn't <laughs> seem like there's enough discussion about how we're headed towards or maybe in the largest recession in, in u.s history complete financial ruin yeah and we're setting aside zero money even though we know that we need to mandate that there can't be evictions because the disease will spread. We're talking about 30 to 40 million people might be out of their homes. Yep. That's 
that's an insane amount, right? That's bigger than actual cities. We're talking mm-hmm. about city, like cities of folks will not have right. a home anymore. A grand jury of 16 Douglas County residents will begin an investigation into the shooting of James Scurlock next week. Scurlock, a 22-year-old black man, was fatally shot during a protest in downtown Omaha in late May by a white bar owner, Jake Gardner. Douglas County attorney Don Klein did not press charges against Gardner, who claims to have killed Scurlock in self-defense when he was defending his business. Klein's decision led to multiple protests and 21,000 signatures on a petition calling for Gardner to be charged. In response to the outrage, Klein himself put in a request for a special prosecutor and grand jury to convene, saying he is not afraid to have a, quote, second set of eyes review his decision. If 12 of the 16 jurors vote to indict, the case against Gardner will be tried in Douglas County District Court. Roughly 200 Omaha Public Schools parents and students protested the suspension of school sports due to COVID-19 safety concerns yesterday outside of the district's headquarters. The group wrote a letter to the school superintendent explaining their frustration with being the only district without sports this fall. Student athletes also took to social media to vent their frustrations with the decision using the hashtag LetUsPlay. I think we care too much about sports. Wow. I just don't know what to do with this. Like, I I thought it was weird that the NBA had a bubble. And that was a lot of money to spend on, like, teams. And I found out, like, the NFL was doing something similar. Then I found out the M- MLB was doing something similar. And Well, and I feel like in this time when we are f- so afraid to go back into the classroom, mm-hmm. right? And, we, and, and, like, there has been that that sort of concern that now – but now we're going to protest – Sports banning sports because we want to like sweat and breathe heavier, which is which has also been proven to be more of an issue, right? The exercise thing is more of an issue, which we will get into later. Yes, I slight I do understand the frustration with especially high school kids who are maybe playing sports like different sports at the highest levels who maybe were relying that on to pay for their college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I understand that frustration. I just definitely think that. The problem here is isn't the sports. It's not no. the. It's not the problem here is not that OPS is cancel is uh canceling like sports right now. It's the fact that no one else did, mm-hmm. you know. And it's that frustration that their kids can't play sports while all these other ones are. Yeah. Because we have such a disjointed way of handling this mm-hmm. pandemic right now, and no yeah. one is unifying behind it to actually stop the spread. Precisely. That yeah. we are all mad about little different things right, when we should like, all be mad about how systemically we have not taken care of this while other countries in other places a lot larger especially than places like nebraska have doing done an incredible job at handling it while we're completely failing that's where the frustration should be it shouldn't be directed at ops it shouldn't be directed at these little things it needs to be directed at the highest levels of our society and the people around us who are not taking it seriously. Last week, we got a math lesson from Emily Chen Newton, our science correspondent. And this week she's at the gym. Wild. (laughs) Since our community really started to settle into the idea of the pandemic long-term, some gyms and workout studios have moved some of their classes outside. Emily checked out one of these classes for us and dug into some of the science behind the workout. 
so I decided to try one of these outdoor workout classes. So here I am on the sidewalk with uh, Barcode Dundee. So local workout studio has been doing some of these outdoor classes. Uh, I would say there's about five women here, easily about 15 or 20 feet between each woman. Plenty of space, nice and spread out. And uh, we get an extra workout here because of the sun and the heat um, and our masks on. Not everyone has to wear a mask, but you definitely uh, can if you would like to, uh, but they are definitely not going easy on us this morning either. <laughs> but you know, I wasn't just gonna go to a workout class and tell you what I thought about it. I sat down with Dr. Kelly Cockett from the University of Nebraska Medical Center to talk about some of the science, what we know and what we don't know about exercising outside during this pandemic. Hello, my name is Kelly Cockett, and I'm an infectious disease and critical care physician at University of Nebraska Medical Center. So we know that at basic speaking levels, the droplets from COVID-19 easily spread within six feet. And we know that there have been outbreaks associated with gyms. Now, when you move a class outside, you still may have a lot of people, but hopefully you have more space to keep between each other. And obviously you inherently have improved ventilation. One thing that is a bit of a false sense of security though, is the idea that being outside is simply enough. So, so if we wanted to, to decrease our chances of catching it even further, what steps should we be taking in an outdoor class? So we would still recommend trying to maintain good distancing from anybody else who's exercising and still continuing to wear a mask for as much of the workout as you possibly can. And so when you mentioned the distance, this is something I've been really curious about. So, but if we are breathing a little bit heavier, can you give any estimate of what we should increase that distance to? I would assume you want it to be more than six feet if you're exercising. Yes, that's a great question. And I don't know if I can give you the exact, you know, correct distance. More than six feet is probably better if you can fit into a space. The farther apart you can be from someone else, frankly, the better it's going to be. And so what is the perfect distance? I don't know that we have that because everyone's anatomy and each person's level of exercise is going to be different. The goal is to maintain as much distance as you feasibly can to try to decrease those risks. Okay. So I think the one other question that often comes up is... You say to wear masks, but do people really do it? And is it okay and safe? Mm, right. <laughs> so with, with exercising. So as a mom, my son plays soccer and he plays in a mask and he does all of his practices in a mask and his games are in a mask and he does great. He has no trouble breathing. He's running full speed up and down the field. And just as an example of making tough decisions, that's a tough decision we had to make for him to continue something he loves doing. And it's not a popular one, and he is often the only child masked on a field, but not always. I think ethically for me as a physician and as a mom, <laughs> I felt like I had to either not let him play or do everything I could to protect him and his team in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah, right. You know, the things we did before this pandemic started sometimes aren't gonna make the same sense that they do now. And we may all want things to go back to normal, but they just haven't. 
Yeah. The other part that everyone has to weigh individually is what is the risk if you get COVID-19? And that becomes a little harder and is fairly nuanced. And that's that's what the, you know, weighing how vulnerable you think that you are to potentially getting sick from this virus immediately is is one factor. But then we also have to consider all of the research that is now coming to light in terms of how folks do after the virus, even if you had a fairly uh-huh. light case. Because I'm familiar with some of the research that has come out of China, for example, that has dealt with it for so much longer than we have. And looking back and even finding remnants of the virus in some of our, our body's neurological systems in the central nervous uh-huh. system. And we've heard of some issues with the cardiac health afterwards too. So it just seems like there's so, so much that we are yet to understand about the the long-term consequences of this thing. Right. Absolutely. And we've seen some studies, to your point, about outcomes in patients with COVID related to what happens to the heart. And honestly, some patients who didn't even have symptoms of heart problems actually show signs on imaging that it did impact their heart, which is obviously a big deal and can take longer to recover from. When you're doing activities, especially if you're outside, you do have to weigh that risk of how many people do I think are going to be there? And is it something that is a higher risk activity for me? I think that's the benefit of being outside is if you have any wind or any movement in the air, that cloud dissipates really quickly, right? Just like you think of how smoke can dissipate very quickly. And so I think that's part of trying to keep distance, you know, and trying to allow that natural airflow to work in the benefit if you're working outside, particularly if you're working out- outdoors without a mask on. And, you know, we got plenty of wind here in yeah. Nebraska, so we got that one working for us. <laughs> I know that's the great benefit of being here right now. We have a ton of green space. It's nice enough to work outside work out outside and we have a lot of wind so we really kind of have some ideal conditions for trying to be outside and decreasing the risk for the spread of the virus and also i have a lot of faith in nebraskans i'm from kentucky actually but i feel like nebraskans are some of the toughest people that i know when it comes to winter time so i feel like we could continue the outdoor exercising like well into the winter time here because nebraskans just do not seem to be phased by the cold weather like i am and like my people from where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that's true. And I'm originally from Minnesota. So oh I my. totally hear you on the ability to, you know, work out outside. And you can absolutely work out outdoors all year long. It really comes down to having good gear, too, that'll keep you warm and is light enough to exercise in. And so I think there's a lot of capacity to exercise outside all year round. It's just really getting the right gear and looking into that and planning ahead for it. Well, we might have to have you back on the show in a few months and you can help equip us for our outdoor (laughs) workouts with your Minnesota experience. Yeah, I uh, used to run year round outside of Minnesota. So, you know, it would have to be a pretty darn cold day to get me off the trail. Oh my. it does, it does matter for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. And since you know we have to give you more than the news, we've got a community update from our arts and culture correspondent, Vivian Coniglia. It's another busy week in Omaha. Benson First Friday's green team hosts Earth Day 2.0. The Benson First Friday team has rescheduled their Earth Day events for this weekend. 
The event starts today, September 4th, and continues through Sunday with activities to celebrate our planet. Other First Friday events will continue, but with special events including a houseplant raffle and classes making plant-based crafts. Saturday will focus on educational speakers, and Sunday is a community cleanup event. Masks are required and attendees are encouraged to use bicycles or alternative forms of transportation to cars. For more information, visit the Benson First Friday website or Facebook. Culture House hosts Labor Day canvassing event demanding justice for James Skurlock. Culture House is hosting a second community-wide canvassing event to motivate Omaha to give due diligence and provide justice for the case of James Skurlock. The goal is to initiate socially distanced, face-to-face conversation about critical issues in our community and discuss the justice needed. Attendees should meet at Culture House located at 3014 North 24th Street, where canvassing materials and information will be provided from 9.45 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Monday, September 7th. Tuesday, the grand jury is set to convene for the Skirlock case. For more information, visit the Facebook event titled Justice for James Omaha Labor Day Canvas. <laughs> of course, this is a longer title to remember, so we'll put the link for it in our page for those who are interested. Lastly, there is another monthly free food distribution hosted by MediaCorps. This event occurs tomorrow, Saturday, September 5th, from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Safety measures are taken and IDs are not required. Food, sanitary products, and baby products will be available at the MediaCorps location on 515 North 33rd Street. To find more information, visit the Feed the People Omaha Facebook page. Thank you all for listening to Melee. To hear our discussion about today's stories, listen to the Melee Discussion Podcast. Wherever you're listening to this show. That does it for this episode of Melee. This show was produced by me, Joshua LeBure. Interviews and field recording produced by Emily Chen Newton and Vivian Coniglia. Our theme song is by Culture House. Researched and fact-checked by Anoush Kadar and Addie Costello. This is a collaboration of Figure Noise and Hi Omaha. To support this, to, I feel like I said that funny. To support this show, find us at Patreon.com/MeleeNews. See you next Friday. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> I thought he was gonna say bye, but he.